New Zealander Maddie Dye sees things a little differently to most people. As a cartoonist for The New Yorker, her work takes in the absurdity of modern life and reflects it back at the reader with humour. That humour's been harnessed for her new short film, Ministry of Jingle, which is part of the Show Me Shorts Festival, screaming, uh, screaming around the motu this month. be a couple of screamers in there, surely. Uh, in it, uh, Ministry of Jingle, New Hire Melody joins the group of civil servants tasked with creating jingles to tackle public safety issues. But where Melody wants to focus on the more complex problems society is facing, her colleagues aren't so keen. Maddie's foray into screenwriting has also seen her finish her first feature film, We Were Dangerous, which has been shot in Christchurch and produced by Taika Waititi's Big Key Films. Maddie lives in London now. That's where she's joining us from. Hi, Maddie. Welcome. Hello, how you doing? Really good, thank you. I was wondering what you'd make of some of our local news at the moment. <laughs> but, um... oh, I, I, that croissant <laughs> sounds incredibly appealing. The Gore District Council's going off, I can tell be... you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, technically you a, perfect. You have a field day with delicious. that. Uh, yeah, totally. Look, it is the uh, the bureaucrats, uh, to some extent, that we're talking about with the Ministry of Jungle. Loved it, by the way. Laughed out loud. I did that annoying thing where I had oh, my good. headphones on and everyone had to listen to laughing while not knowing what I was laughing at. Um, and oh, obviously an underlying theme there. But there's mm-hmm. a touch of the office. There's a touch of glide time about it. What are you really sort of getting at, shall we say, in the <laughs> Ministry of Jungle? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think I was... I used to work at an office where I would create creative content about sort of like pressing political causes. And it always started off sort of like with these big lofty briefs about sort of like climate change or refugees and often ended with me uh, like making a Facebook ad or like, you know, one of those sort of filters that would go over your Facebook profile. And I sort of always just ended up feeling the immense impotence of my creative practice. And I think I'm uh, tapping into potentially a little bit of that. But, I mean, I think even if you're not a creator, the, I don't know, just sort of like the enormity of the problem and how sort of, um, how, how useless your, your toolbox can feel, I think, is a lot of what Melody goes through in the short. Anyone um, in a bureaucracy and anyone, as you say, working in an office can recognise this. And everyone's so polite and nice to each other. But Although yeah, the boss yeah, does try true. to nick her idea at one point, so that just, that's just typical, isn't it? But, um, yeah, classic. But it's also funny. I mean, just the idea that – and this is where humour is, has and always is so important in making us stay with the topic, making us think about something we're completely over. I mean, here they are all sitting in jingles. They welcome her singing in jingles and – um, mm-hmm. They have a jingle for everything, and you just find yourself laughing along with this kind of not giving too much away, um, ominous dripping mm-hmm. leaking into a bucket going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And it took me a wee while to get what was happening. In the end, I could fully get what was happening. What What is mm-hmm. the power of humour in these moments? What is the power of it when so many of us are just going, "I can't listen to any more." Yeah. I mean, it, it really is just sort of a, a different way to approach a problem, I think. Or sometimes it just feels so frustrating to sort of just like point out something that you're angry about and just have nothing but anger or sadness to express about it. But I think sometimes if you, like with humour, I mean, dissecting humour is hard, you know, and I sort of like, people ask and I always try and come up with good answers, but there is something about coming at it from an approach that's like slightly surprising or slightly yes. unexpected yes. To, to get to that sort of familiar feeling and like 
I've, I've never worked in government, but I've worked in offices and there's sort of something about all the, the little intros and all the little sort of like office dynamics and the, the polite one-upmanship and the sort of jargon that like, like I think is fun to play with. And then I think there's these, they can sometimes be a way that you can, uh, I don't know, hide and sort of deliver a more complicated or difficult idea. And I mean, I mean, that's so much of, of what cartooning is about. It's about combining kind of complicated ideas with a little frivolous ones that make you see the complicated things in, in yeah, it's sort of more surprising and interesting in different ways, I think. It's surprising and it's funny, but there's a moment, whether it's a great cartoon or whether it's a funny film like this, where you stop and go, yep, I see now. Um, yeah. But it's a less... Like a, it's, it, yeah. It, it's you want a gut punch, mm, I think, mm, really. Mm with it all good cartoons you certainly deliver you want to sort of like film. have a wry chuckle yeah you know go ahead yeah. the, the gut punch in the cartoon oh, sorry yeah just a, i mean i was like cartooning is a form where like it's it's not exactly a laugh out loud form but you, you know best you're going to get a wry chuckle but I, I do think that if it hits you with a little bit of a gut punch it's it's that's the satisfying feeling i think in lots of ways it's a very Kiwi film for someone who's spent so long away. Um, great actors, you know. I could have swapped one of them out for Reese Darby. Actually, I could have swapped all of them out. Actually, but it's a very, it's a very kind of Kiwi film as well. That niceness, that politeness, the bad clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so congratulations. Um, and what was the actual spark for this particular? film set in a, in a in a Kiwi context was there I mean we've just been through an horrendous summer Aucklanders will tell you they've yeah. been through a horrendous year of non-stop weather uh yeah and was that playing on your mind um alarmingly I I actually wrote the film before the horrendous summer. I wrote it back in September and then sort of just like watched the summer unfold and felt worried about my powers of prophecy or something but I mean, the the original spark was thinking about so many jingles I grew up with in my childhood, um, like the click goes your seatbelt, click, 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 and singing these to people overseas and realizing that they don't deal with their threats in musical form in the same way that um, Kiwis do. Uh, and it just is, now looking back, it's sort of surprising, like, you know, if you don't got the rubber, there'd be no hubba hubba. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things that really just sort of like has, has, has stuck with me. But um, I I wanted to explore that idea because it's, I mean, that is just a hilarious juxt- juxtaposition. It, and that's the sort of thing you're always trying to find with car- cartoons as well. Just sort of like dire threat and then like, um, and then like a, a fun and frivolous way of delivering that. Um, like stop, drop and roll. That's great. <laughs> we rap a bit on that in the film. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You're on fire. It's quite so fun. Yeah, you're, that's the yeah, fireworm. Yeah, Stop, yeah. drop and roll. We've got something yeah, similar now exactly. for earthquakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Which is like, yeah, I mean, I wonder how, how often that comes to people's heads. I mean, they, they just, they must be powerful. Oh, yeah, anyway, I just like thinking about some weird basement of government bureaucrats who are tasked with that. I don't know if that's exactly how it works, but in my dream world it is. I think people would recognise a lot of what goes on in government departments there, but, um, yeah, the jingle is a particularly nice entree uh, to the whole thing. Mm. Hey, tell us a little bit about your path um, through now now into various creative genres. You've been in a corporate or a, it may have been a not-for-profit, actually. Just help me with this um, uh, organisation. Mm. Was you're... it? I think it was a for-profit, but they, like, had some way to say... A, 
Well, probably like B Corp or something. Yeah. Anyway, but cor- it felt corporate. Yeah. As close to corporate as I think I'll get. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the cartooning and now moving into the filmmaking as well. But but let's start with at the beginning, if you would. Growing up in Wellington and, you mm-hmm. know, um, dad was Chinese and mum Pakia, I understand. And uh, mm-hmm. you, you had artistic talent from an early age. Just pick up the story of a path that's taken you um, through a really fascinating creative and, and, and personal journey. What were some yeah. of the early forces? Yeah, it's it, it like I, in high school. I, I think I don't think my artistic talent has ever particularly stood out. Really, I, I you know I did a few things. I, I did debating in school. I played a lot of football, soccer. Um, I, th- I I mean I always did art. I think in high school I was quite um, attracted to the idea of graffiti art and this sort of always provocatively trying to present that for my NCA. But, like, I, I, it, that was at the time of Banksy, so maybe that sort of felt that felt really relevant <laughs> at the time. I, I, I've always been drawn to art where I think you can get away with being not that good an artist, which, thankfully, cartooning is. I mean, I, really, I'm a good enough artist to service the joke, but I'm, you know, I've never threatened anyone with oil paints. Like I'm sort of, I'm, I feel comfortable in the sort of pencil and eraser zone, really. Um, but I was, and I was also quietly into school, and um, I think that was acknowledged by a, a few teachers who. Uh, I don't think that was apparent to every teacher, but at least to some teachers, including actually my English teacher, Kathy Ryan, who. Um, <laughs> Suggested I applied at a, a, a school called United World Colleges or a series of schools, actually. And so I applied to that and ended up going to the school in Hong Kong for my last two years, which was, I mean, I think would have been like utterly formative in in any world. But I, I had the additional sort of um, journey of meeting that my, my dad's side of the family who all live there, most of whom, pretty much all of whom I'd, I'd never met before. So... Yeah, that was, I mean, academically and culturally and personally, those two years were hugely important to me at that school. I just have to quickly shout out that anybody who knows a talented 15, 16-year-old who's curious about the world should totally get them to apply. But um, I think that also sent me on a path of um, living living overseas more. for Sort of for better, I mean... I ended up going to university in Vermont. Truly, I couldn't have pointed out Vermont on a map. I had never set foot in Vermont. Like it just, I was, I, it, I ended up sort of like on this trajectory that, um, yeah, spun me across the world. But I've always sort of felt quite Kiwi and always felt um, very attached to the style of like, you know, Kiwi comedy and Kiwi filmmaking has always been like such a huge influence to me. But yeah, that, that's sort of how it all set in motion. And then there was New York, the Big Apple, and that was was that with the yes. advertising startup, was it? Yeah, yeah. So I I I graduated from school and so I couldn't really pay anyone to give me a job, but I, I started interning with them. And yeah, it was I, around that time I came across um, a New Yorker illustrator, Myra Kalman, and she described herself as a visual storyteller. So I, after, um, this was the kind of sort of startup-y kind of workplace where they let you choose your own job titles, which I think they instantly regretted when they had like, you know, 50 people and like 57 job titles. It was just a total mess. But I chose visual storyteller um, because I think I I kind of always was um, 
just interested in the idea of combining words and pictures and it, it was a lofty title as I say for someone who mostly designed Facebook graphics but um I yeah I was living in New York and this workplace gave me professional development budget and um hoped I'd take a time management course probably but I, well, I took Excel a course spreadsheet of a, wasn't it yeah yeah, 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 yeah. everyone <laughs> needs to read those time, things there, there was so many things I needed to improve on that, <laughs> they were just like surely anything but that <laughs> but they were you know they were cool and they were hip and they they let it slide and I uh, took a class with a woman called Emily Flake who's a New Yorker cartoonist and she yeah in the opening class she said something like some of you will find you all have you have a deep well of cartoons that you'll tap into and we all like looked around hopefully it sort of was like a bit of a charlie and the chocolate factory kind of experience all lined up um but yeah i have to say i just once once you come up with one it's it's honestly a drug i mean you're just looking everywhere for them and you just it changes the way you see the world every interaction like every conversation you're overhearing every ad just sort of the world sort of sparkles with potential um and it also sparkles with rejection. I mean, there's a lot of rejection as a cartoonist, but my in was a night class with this woman. Yeah. Now, the New Yorker story is fascinating as well. It seems so old school that you can just make the approaches that you do. You can turn up and make your pitch uh, and they will listen and they will help. And that's what happened. It, it's It honestly was phenomenal to me. I mean, like I was interested in doing at that time, I think like, you know, comedy and art and that sort of thing. And you just look at all these storied institutions like SNL and be like how does anyone do what's the journey and then like the New Yorker they're just like Tuesdays from 10 till noon anybody can come in go up to the 47th floor or whatever it is clutching your little portfolio of cartoons and and you get a you know a one-on-one audience with the cartoon editor who at the at the time was this guy called Bob Mankoff who was sort of like a grizzled old grumpy sparkly uh new yorker and he would deliver brutal feedback and then tell me to come back next week so i just sort of kept doing it and i knew emily flake my teacher had been rejected for two years i'd heard there's like an urban legend among cartoonists that i think is true that someone was rejected for 25 years although i don't (laughs) want to say who in case i have that wrong well they eventually published that's the main thing I know. And now, as I understand it, you know, they're irregular. But yeah, I kind of was like, okay, well, somewhere in between two years and 25 years, I'll, at some point, I'll, I'll give up. But okay, well, at least brace myself for a few years of projection. Um, yeah. So what was the first? Because the first got to be special. The first, yeah, the first was um, a cartoon about um jesus sort of saying like <laughs> it's hard to explain a cartoon but i'll give it a go he's, he's saying like everybody asks what jesus would do no one asks how he feels about his complicated relationship with his father or something like it was something riffing <laughs> yeah, yeah. about jesus having daddy issues which yeah. sort of was like it was a big excitement and then it was sort of like <laughs> it was like a good bit of news to bring to my catholic parents and then sort of i had to instantly sort of just like <laughs> massage as I delivered what would be in print and delivered around the world. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's something unbelievably useful about a Catholic upbringing. 
but just a lot of you just you, there's a lot of stories to mine you know so i've sort of been doing that ever since but yeah that what, was the, the human condition one. thing the guilt thing the irony thing Completely. the hypocrisy thing which bits <laughs> the patriarchy oh, take well, your pick I, <laughs> <laughs> the and thing i find with like is that like what you need for cartoons is like collective stories like you need fairy tales and you need phrases and you need like mythology that people can draw from so you have like this you know, like I've done a cartoon about the Tooth Fairy and I've like done a cartoon about like the Virgin Mary trying to negotiate her job title. And like, you know, you, you, you if you know like knights and damsels in distress, then there's like so much you can play with that. And I think that in loads of ways, like religion is another set of like characters and stories and ideas that you can just like, I mean, God, that's quite a good character to <laughs> you know someone all powerful all knowing all loving i mean there's a lot of room there so yeah he he does come up a lot um yeah let's talk about some of your favorites and mm-hmm. and and why they're favorites um, there's one i love straight away that um, my colleague sent through that you that you noted um you explain it this is the one it reminds me of the recent i watched that recent um Netflix series on the Sackler family <laughs> straight away. <laughs> this cartoon oh. reminded me of them, but it could be any number of wealthy establishment families anywhere, right? Um, uh, do you want me to read it? You read it out. Well, I'm actually, I'm not sure. I'm oh, dying okay. to know what so one look, this is. You let so me I'll talk it through. There's, a, there's, there's, a, there's an older, what might be called... Um, white male gentleman with um, yeah. hair loss and glasses, and that's fine. Love them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, grandpa, thanks, perhaps, and his young boy, and they're standing in a hallway with all these portraits, and he's saying, and this hole, I don't know if he's American or what, and this hole reminds us we've always been very rich and quite ugly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah. again, you'd laugh at it. Even if you were a member of one of those uh, families, you, you, you'd laugh yeah. at that. Because again, you recognise yourself in this or you recognize someone yeah. else um and and is that often what you're looking for that moment again like the like the short film that moment of recognition where you could be sitting there and you kind of recognize what's happening even though it's extreme yeah i yeah like i i think if even if you don't recognize it in yourself like ideally you you recognize it in another like this cartoon's fight for Ministry of Jingle, everyone worked for free. So the only incredibly um, meager way I could pay them was by giving them a free cartoon. And because my, my dad helped out with the catering, he made a very good chili con carne. I said he could have a free cartoon. And strangely, he chose that one. <laughs> I, I was like, is this, some, <laughs> is this some indictment of our family legacy? I don't know if he saw himself. or But anyway, it's really funny he chose that. Um, I should ask him. I should interrogate more. I do think it is a little bit of a personality test, which which one people like best. Um, there's another yeah, one the, here. This... Um, there's, a, there's another one here in the, um, that, that I'll just mention before you become, come to yours. Well, you think about yours. I'm going to change a word because it's public broadcasting, but it's a, <laughs> it, it looks like a king from you know a certain era. It could be France. It could be England. Let's say the 18th century um, or 19th century. And the two ladies are saying to each other as the king is standing stark as behind them, I don't mind his member being always out. I do find his relentless suppression of the peasants a bit unseemly. <laughs> it's just, it's just, <laughs> because, again, it talks about two completely non-comparable things that might irritate yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, to me, this also 
sometimes I feel that I, I, I make far too huge a leap to ever be commenting on politics, but sometimes I just find the conversations that we have as like a cultural society or like a democracy to be just unbelievably inane. And then there's sort of these like huge things that, you know, that sort of seem to fly under the radar. And then we just like, we'll, we'll go around in circles about, you know, the dress code of the Senate or whatever it is. And, and I sort of, yeah, I, I think this is commenting a bit on that um, dichotomy that she was daring to say that actually she didn't really mind about his member always being out, <laughs> but had opinions about his treatment of the peasants. If um, you must know. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, exactly, but the other, exactly. You know, it reminds me of that film Don't Look Up, and it was partly mm. satire, but there was a certain truth to it. It is part of the human condition that when things get too hard, we just want to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the little kids, I, I, you can't see me, or I can't see you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and cartoons, again, are a cut through on that because they don't take mm. long. You don't have to listen to hours to someone else's pain. Uh, but in mm-hmm. a moment, you can just have a mirror put up in front of you or a mirror put up in front of front of all of us here. Yeah. What? Who are your favourite characters? Like, who will you find yourself coming back to as protagonists in the cartoon? Yeah, good question. I, I mean, this is a this is an interesting thing because, like, I do feel um, there's sort of like a a few years married, like sort of heterosexual domestic couple scene. That, like, I, I don't. It's not even like I feel sort of like that familiar with that day to day. But this, there's, there's uh, uh, they're just like sort of so ripe for um, skewering in some ways. Just because of, I don't know, a sort of resignedness, I think I find quite funny. Or like, I, I think that the characters I like are ones who are sort of like, um, maybe a little sweet and pathetic, but a little aspirational, uh, I think is good. I mean, to me, that feels like, like so many of us. I mean, I think, uh, like, I count myself among that. I mean, the powerful, obviously, I mean, the, the origins of cartooning were as this like mass form to sort of like, communicate your frustrations or, or to ridicule the powerful and like they're so good at that because they're like you don't have to be like wildly literate although I'm sure some consumers of the New Yorker cartoons I've gotten many emails <laughs> demanding an explanation so uh, I don't want to say too much but like uh, you, you know and it's like and it's really quick and it's digestible and it's sort of like an idea in its most succinct form like it really sort of is a dream as a cartoonist to do a cartoon that doesn't even have a caption that's how like brilliantly succinctly it's been it's been drawn and um but yeah you go i was gonna say life's disappointments too there was one you mentioned where um there's a new zealand woman who saved and saved and saved and saved and saved to go to the uk oh. and, and gets to big ben and of course for years it was covered in the scaffolding so i mean it's... she has truly been a character i've thought about She's someone I think about truly constantly. She is very, very, very vivid in my mind. Because life just lets you down sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best laid plans. And just that sort of like, oh, just that like that hope. And it, oh, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um, let's talk about the filmmaking. We've talked about the short film. Congratulations mm-hmm. on completing a feature film. That is massive. Uh, and how did the... How did the transition or the opportunity happen for you? Mm. Well, it it did happen via another 
night evening class. <laughs> I really, I wouldn't be surprised if this old workplace sent me a bill at some point. But yeah, they did pay for another evening class. I think at this point they could see that I was planning a great escape. But I think they, they, they probably thought it was it was long odds. But I, yeah, I I actually sort of got into screenwriting because I wanted to get into graphic novels. Um, I just like loved novels like Fun Home and Persepolis and. I thought at some point misguidedly, maybe I had the like patience or work ethic to pull it off, but I, I sort of ended up with a script and, and got lazy and finished there. Um, but I, I started writing scripts and I don't know, there's some sort of like network of Kiwis who tell Kiwis other things. And one day picky films just like, um, emailed me out of the blue and said, we hear you're a Kiwi who's giving screenwriting a go. And they generously had a call with me. I mean, I really was, you know, I, I was, it was sort of, I think it was probably the pandemic then and I barely left my kitchen in ages. It sort of was like so astonishing to get this email. Um, but I told them I was in the process of writing a film and I said that I was writing it for them and like, really I was, I, I had them in mind for it. And, um, they said, send it over. And I did. And in the next conversation, they were like, we'll make it we'll, we'll or we'll give it a go <laughs> and it all happened sort of um astonishingly quickly and then you, and then you get into the the many many rounds of redrafting and then things slow down a little but yeah even still it was sort of um a, a thrilling roller coaster of a process and yeah once you're the ride I mean at some point things become very hands-off for you so I think, yeah, it's out sometime next, next year. year. Can you tell us anything about it, where and when it's set and, or anything like that? Yeah, I can. It's set in, um, in 1950s New Zealand um, and it's uh, about three teenage girls who uh, are in an institution for delinquent girls. And, so, yeah, sort of a lot about like the history of women and sort of in friendship and colonialism and... Um, if it's this the spirit and the friendship that sort of drives them through, I really should get better at that, shouldn't I? I'll work on it. I've got nearly a year. I hope it's funny as well. Uh, it's got yeah. uh, Rima Tawiata. It's got Arana James. We were interviewing just recently. Fantastic um, uh, yeah, actor amazing. who's got another film in, out, out in cinemas at the moment. Yeah, really, uh, really, really exciting. And so, what are the plans from here, Maddie? Or you're just waiting for another email to drop and say, "Hey, do this." Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a lovely yeah, yeah. lockdown. Let them know my email, my inbox is open, <laughs> ready for emails. Yeah, maybe um, it's a, well, you know, a, a peculiar, also. peculiar kind of lockdown thing. Opportunities did happen there, and I'm not saying that's why it happened, but. Um, and and you seized it, right? And it's how big a challenge to take on that particular writing genre. Like, how hard was it to write? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, there's a funny thing where, like, you sort of like um, you like at least buy all the books. There are so many books, really. You know, the sort of like there's one called, like Save the Cat, and like, and it, it, at some point, I sort of felt that all these books were they're more like an autopsy of a film than like sort of a how-to guide the thing that has been most useful to me is like reading scripts of films I love and it is I mean what you, there's no reason to do that unless you're interested in screenwriting but they are kind of really fascinating to read how they put it all together and and how they're both a blueprint but really like a feeling they just sort of like immerse you in yeah. in the world of the film um but yeah I mean I, I I 
I back then and probably still do like I, I'm always searching for like new ways to do things I, and you know you like read an interview without how Greta Gerwig like does it all sitting in her bed with post-it notes so I like give that a go and then like I mean there's no really easy way it takes it just takes ages it's just that open and, um, kind of growth mindset they call it Maddie it's the growth mindset yes. you've got that's just taking you from one adventure to another hey uh, just to finish um, I don't know why we're getting mm. a jingle from Iowa uh, but we are. I'm not going to sing it to you, though. It's about snakes. Red next to black, venom lack. Red next to yellow, kills a fellow. There you go. Wow. We can do a tune. Wow, that's amazing. We can do a tune Yeah, to yeah, that. that needs... Absolutely. That could get a jaunty little number, no problem. Me for... and my team will work on it. I'd long forgotten about stop, drop, and roll. I'm, I'm going to practice <laughs> immediately. We're off air. Maddie, go well. Thanks for your time.